Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? Welcome back, we are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast With myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker And of course, as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score Use the promo code 40 for four days Free access to advanced stats And then sign up and check it out a little more So... Walk week three in the books. Moving on to week four. We got some waiver stuff at the end here. Reaction to what happened this week and what we've been doing. Looking at snaps, targets, all that stuff. See who's trending in what direction. How you doing and where do you want to start? Listen, Eagles, 3-0. and Number one in the power rankings. Just dispatched of Carson Wentz and the commanders in sack-worthy fashion. Uh, I believe it was nine with my boy Brandon Graham getting two and a half of those. I mean, I actually felt bad for Carson you know, pretty early on because it was clear it wasn't going to be his day uh, going back against the Eagles. But they also find their way to not really start piling on points. So it's, it's a little curious what the Eagles have been doing thus far with these back-to-back 24-7 and 24-8 wins. Like, I, I still want to watch like them destroy a team. You know, they went blow for blow against the Lions, and then they kind of just, like, took their foot off the pedal against the the Vikings and the Commanders. Like, I want to see, I want to see, like, a Bills-type effort where it's just you never stop. It's just the onslaught, like what the Bills did to the Titans yeah. earlier. Like, that's that's what I want to see. And it, it, I don't know. It didn't look like it was all clicking late. Like, I want to see the killer instinct. But still, good week for the Eagles. A couple upsets. I mean, I referenced the Bills. The Bills going down to my Miami Dolphins, another three and O team. Tua comes back from what was what? What they say it ultimately was a back issue. It wasn't even yes. a concussion that he came back from. Led them to victory. A little time clock situation with the the Bills. I hear at the end. I did not get to watch that one. Then the Colts getting in the win column and taking down the Chiefs cost me a cost me a decent parlay because Chiefs <laughs> money lied. Didn't see that one coming, but you know, reality is reality. Lamar Jackson's vying for NFL MVP early on. Jaguars just kicked the shit out of the Chargers. What else? Sunday night football was boring. Uh Sunday afternoon, Packers Bucks was boring. Um, what else? I didn't give a shit about even the Monday game, even though it was the NFC East. So I think I think the week ended with a thud, but my Eagles won at one o'clock, so I'm good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Wa- I I didn't watch much. I had stuff going on Sunday, so I combination of napping and being busy. But I caught I caught bits and pieces of it. I, I had a weird week though, where I had as as I was napping through red zone, I'd periodically wake up and see a score. I felt like I, I was doing real good, like. My my fantasy guys were popping up, and then uh, I checked my scores later in the day, and I got my dick kicked in across uh, quite a few <laughs> leagues. I, I won in a few, lost in a couple more where I thought I was doing good. Um, got bumped out of my one eliminator league that I had. Oh, that's a tough one already. And I was top couple top top half in scoring in the first two weeks. But do you know who actually screwed me? Justin Jefferson get, doing nothing. Getting double teamed and uh, yeah, listen in the one league that 
we play against each other. Uh, I have Justin Jefferson in that league. I lost by 0. .05 points. Justin oh, do you know what? You want to lose by 0. .05? I, I think in the, the one league, the one league you got me in on Flea Flicker there, I believe I lost by 0. .1, and I started Keenan Allen because I didn't because uh, I went to sleep. Uh, and it, he was game time decision. I was like, I should be up at the one o'clock to double check. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Listen, you want to dovetail into those Chargers? I started the Chargers defense over any other defense. I think it was the Bucks because the Chargers were playing the Jaguars, and the Bucks had the Packers. <clears throat> Chargers got me a nice zero. So, you know, can't even. I shouldn't even be blaming Justin Jefferson. At least he contributed. The Chargers defense just clearly took took the week off. Well, if we want to keep getting a sack. This, not not the initial intent of the the way this pod was going to start, yes, but sir. let's keep trashing the Chargers. So Bosa gets Please. hurt week to yeah. week. Early they on. lose yes. uh, that yeah. left tackle. What's his name from Northwestern? Uh, yeah, Rashad Slater. Yeah, really good. Rough sounds like gets done for the year. Yep. Yes. So now now they're screwed. There. I don't think. St- their coach is that good. I've been saying it for two years. Everyone heard him say some analytics stuff and like some PC pro player shit last year. And they're like, this guy's the future of the NFL. I haven't bought it from the beginning. I think it's smoke and mirrors and bullshit. I think, I think the chargers as much as we loved them coming into the year and secretly like them every year. I think with the injuries and everything else going on, I think they are secretly going to stink the rest of the way. And I, before we started recording, I told you, I got to, I got to sell high to sneak into the show at some point here. So I might as well do it right now since we're talking chargers. Oh. I don't know about Austin Eckler anymore. So, and here's why three weeks snaps, 49%, 63 and 56. Let all of last year. He only saw less than 60% four times. He's already seen less than 60 twice this year. And in 2020, he only did it one time, barring games he got hurt or, or was out. Dude, they're not even using him as much as they yeah as much as they have in the past. I'm wondering if this is the time to get out because I don't know if people have caught on to that yet. And obviously, losing your best offensive lineman doesn't help a running back, even though obviously a big part of his game is catching passes. He's 27. I, I'm thinking it's time to jump ship. Yeah, I mean, the irony is I'd looked up Austin Eckler before we went live. And right when you said sell high, I knew that's who you were going to talk about. <laughs> I, I, was, I was absolutely certain. He has 17 catches in the last two games. Catches, not targets. He has 17 catches. So you might still be able to get a haul for him. 32 carries for 80 yards on the season. That line's not helping. They're trying to remove that type of workload from him. He's still seeing all the, you know, it seems like the comfort behind and the two-minute drill and the past stuff. I mean, no one's going to take him off the field for that. So he's still been reasonably productive. I mean, 21 catches for 139 yards, scoreless, you know, through three weeks. I think there's reason to be concerned with him. He was asking for help. Uh, he wanted less touches. <laughs> he outwardly has been yeah. petitioning the Chargers to help him said reinforcements, you know, which is why they – brought in Sonny Michelle, why they drafted Isaiah Spiller. I mean, I'm still burning that candle for Isaiah Spiller. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think this it, it, it's not going to get that much better for Eckler. And even if it does, I still think he's, he's a 27-year-old. This is a guy that's probably going to continue to be reasonably productive because of his receptions. But 
he's he's not even being productive on the on the carries he's getting now. So he might end up just being that receiving back that you're going to end up getting, you know, five or six catches out of. Hopefully, he gets a touchdown at the end of the day. But somehow, he's still maintaining running back thirteen production so far. But it's literally because he has twenty one receptions on the season, yeah. and you know, no one else is even in the twenties yet. We're talking about JD McKissick with 16, Javante Williams with 15. I mean, he's, he's pacing the position, 22 targets. And, you know, there's only one other Leonard Fournette has 20 and Javante has 21. So, well, Brees Hall shocker has 22 on the season, Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's being buoyed by that late game pass production. He had to do it against the chiefs late in the game. He got, he caught like, I feel he caught all eight of those passes in the second half on that Thursday night game last week against the chiefs. And then they were behind the whole game against the Jaguars. So of course he's going to catch a ton of passes again. I think he had 10 targets uh, against the Jaguars. So yes, I think the short answer is you should be trying to sell Austin Eckler. Sorry. He was eight of eight against, you know, against the Jaguars in a game they were trailing the entire time. So I'm there with you. I mean, but as far as the Chargers are concerned, at Texans, at Browns, versus Broncos, versus Seahawks going into the bye, and then they come out at Falcons. I mean, that's a pretty good run to, to get things right, in, in my opinion. I mean, the most difficult game was probably going to be the Broncos now. I mean, the Browns still know Deshaun Watson. They're not going to have Miles Garrett for that game now with a broken wrist. So the Browns don't scare me. They're just going to try and run the ball and bleed the clock. You know, I don't think they can – keep up with the Chargers if they're humming at full steam and without their top pass rusher, it doesn't make the Slater injury as bad. So, yes, Sel Eckler, I, I'm holding hold, holding out hope for my Chargers to, to get shit right. But, yeah, that wasn't a pretty game for them. Um, getting blown out 38 points was the most points scored last week, <laughs> and that was courtesy of those wow. Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they faced the NFL. Now, the second was Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens, who, I mean, he's just been playing at an epic rate, four touchdowns on the day, another 107 and one rushing. I mean, he's he's that contract is just going up. I was going to say, he, he might be a terrible negotiator mm-hmm. in, the, in the boardroom, but he's doing his part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the player is certainly doing his part to maximize. Lamar Jackson, the agent, not that great. Lamar yeah. Jackson, the player, doing – Doing the agent's work for himself. Yeah, doing yeoman's work. So, yeah, that was a that was a big win. And obviously that all goes through Mark Andrews, who saw 13 of Lamar Jackson's 29 pass attempts. I mean, we are we are near 50% target share territory for Mark Andrews. I mean, that's that's gonna historically good pace. I put a tweet out the other day saying Mark Andrews is dynasty tight end one, in my opinion. He's past Kelsey and he's ahead of Pitts. And there was uh I there's not even I I I could stand on that hill quite yeah. comfortably. That was in Matthew Barry's little weekly email this week, the fantasy life thing. It said uh there is officially unquestionably a new tight end one across all yeah. formats. I mean he's just he's he's something special. I mean he's he is kind of like what Pete Kelsey was, right? Where he's kind of the de facto <clears throat> Wide receiver one in that offense. I mean, he's going to be the target leader week in and week out. And their defense isn't good either. So they're going to have to be in shootouts. You know, they find they found themselves in, in quite a few. I mean, you're giving up 26 points to the to the Patriots. I mean, I, I don't really seem like that's something that should happen too easily. They gave up 42 to the Dolphins. I mean, they they held the Jets to nine, but 
Yeah, that was week one Jets with Joe Flacco. I mean, they got the Bills next. I mean, fucking shootout <laughs> before they have to place the Bengals. Yeah, we're going to see points galore. Lamar Jackson might be QB1, unseating Josh Allen as well. So you mentioned Baltimore playing the Patriots and Miami and the Jets, which kind of brings it to any kind of injury stuff. So Patriots look like they're going to be without Mac Jones for quite a while, might even need surgery for the high ankle sprain, mm-hmm. bringing in uh, <laughs> Brian Hoyer season. That, that's a lost year. Miami, we had mentioned Tua, but he seems to be okay. And then the Jets, opposite kind of injury front where we should see Wilson coming back this week or next. But this week was a pretty big injury week. The first one we had where there was significant stuff. I mean, Cook hurt his shoulder again, which is inevitable. Evergreen. Yeah, that just happens. But the other thing, too, with it is because it's normal for him, it's not as significant as if it's somebody else. You know what I mean? He's done. He's done this repeatedly and played through it going back to college. But we lost a couple of fantasy relevant players this week anyone specific you want to touch on and what you're doing with it yeah i mean you you mentioned cook too and yeah i mean it's a it's a known injury for him you know he's harnessed it up before and played through it you know i i could still see it at least missing a week and if that's the case clearly we all know it's just alexander madison slots right in and gets the dalvin cook work madison's played a fair amount this year and looked good doing it um, even before the Cook injury, and Madison got in the end zone after Cook left injured. Uh, the guy that I would want to talk about is Khalil Herbert, and that was after the David Montgomery uh, knee leg injury. I haven't looked further into what they're actually diagnosing it as, but you know, all Khalil Herbert did was was come in after the fact and just throw up a running back one overall yes. game last mm-hmm. week. I mean, just and all on the ground. I mean, was it twenty for one fifty seven and two? If uh, if memory serves me correctly, I don't even think he had a catch or a target um, uh, on the week. Sorry, he did two for 12. But yes, 20 for 157 and two, 30.9 PPR points. Next closest was Derek Henry at 25.3. I mean, this we were we were trashing the Bears before we went live and it's not going to that's never going to stop. They're just a terrible organization right now and they're not doing the <laughs> players any favors, but they, they are a run first team. I mean, they've thrown it 45 times on the year. We have we have done the research, and we have come to find out that they've thrown it 45 times on the year. Now, week one kind of threw that off a little bit, but, I mean, 15 pass attempts per week on average. I mean, you're a run-based team. You're going to try and bleed the clock. Now Dave Montgomery's Did hurt. Did Josh Allen throw it 63 times this week? Entirely possible. Yes. The Bears projected four-game total. And what? John, Josh Allen had 42 completions <laughs> this week. The Bears have thrown it 45 times so far in the year. So let's just uh, forecast the Bears it. real quick here and see what, what comes of the the next several weeks. They've they've gotten away with things early. Mud Bowl against the Niners, they beat the Texans. They get the Giants. Giants can clearly be run on. They've just they just got gashed by Pollard and Zeke on Monday night football. And then it's at Ravens versus Commanders. I mean, the next couple of weeks, Jam wouldn't be that bad for Khalil Herbert. He's going to easily step in to be a running back too, you know, for as long as David Montgomery's out. But you know, for anyone that didn't have him, and if he is out on your waiver wire, don't wait till the end of this episode. You know, go put your heavy fab bid in now. I am looking and says he's only owned in fifty percent of Yahoo leagues at present. I'm in one Yahoo league, and I can tell you he's owned hundred percent in that league because he's been on my roster since the draft. 
you know, who's also on my roster in that league, Alexander Madison. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be a pretty good week for me in bounce back fashion because I also had Dalvin Cook who didn't do a lot for me. And I also had Aaron Jones and he didn't do anything. I had DJ Moore and he's never done anything. And then I, uh, Russell Wilson and he stinks. And when he stinks and it means that Corlin Sutton, who I also have can't be that good. And then I drafted George Kittle and he missed the first two weeks. It's yeah, it's been, it's been a great start, John. Thanks for asking for me and in, in that league. And I can't wait to get back at it in week four to try and get back to 500. But you seem to have it covered on the back end. Which I think that's kind of a thing, and we've talked about it in previous seasons. You know, my my leagues start, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm, you know, one and two through three weeks or whatever. It's two and two, and you go, ugh. But I think, especially for you and I, and me and you are pretty savvy, I think, at finding sleepers and backups and stuff like that. I think when the bye weeks hit, at least for me, it gives me a little hope because I do usually have – I may not have the high-end talent to win when we're all full strength at the start of the year, but I seem to cruise through the bye weeks without being completely devastated and starting, you know, trying to think of someone awful you could start, but <laughs> Nick, Nick Westbrook, Akinhe. Ronald Jones. You just, there you, you go. Circle back on that carcass. But um, then doing this thought process live as, as we're talking, that probably also explains why. I run through the bye weeks, have a good record, feel good about myself, and then get the shit kicked out of me when everyone's full strength again in the fucking playoffs. So I got to build my rosters different. Construction might want to revisit that. I mean, and we're talking about injuries, and we'd probably stay in the division with the Bears too, right? DeAndre Swift is clearly dealing with a more significant injury. He's been limited in practice. His touches are going down, and it's been to the benefit of Jamal Williams, who also had a monster game last Mm -hmm. week. And I'm looking at PPR scoring through three weeks, and – Jamal Williams is running back eight and Khalil Herbert is running back nine on the season in PPR already. I mean, so it's bye weeks haven't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. And we're already seeing some unseating. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is running back four. James Robinson out of nowhere is running back three. Your boy Cordell Patterson is running back seven. Are you hearing any of the other names of all the guys that were drafted in like the first and second round? Man, yeah, no. Doing uh, shit that- right now. The zero RB truthers are, are looking smart through three weeks. Yeah. Listen, DeAndre Swift is running back five. So Detroit has two running backs in the top eight right now in PPR leagues. Well, and <laughs> I can tell you after watching them week one, I know exactly why. And it's because that's how they want to run their offense. But yeah, it's been, been interesting early. Obviously, Jamal Williams has probably owned far more places as a handcuff to Swift than anyone else. But, you know, Craig Reynolds is another kind of deeper guy that he's starting to get some snaps. And if anything should happen to Swift, you know, they're not going to give Jamal Williams all the workload. So we're kind of working back to front here this episode. But, you know, he's another name that uh, you probably want to keep an eye on or if you're deep enough league, make a low bid for now. Well, going going back to front, you want to just keep going with waivers, and then we'll do the other stuff to wrap it up. I mean, going through waiver stuff, I, I just put general running back handcuffs. I mean, look, James Conner is hurt. Fournette's been dealing with a hamstring since week one. We, we've seen the injuries that you already mentioned piled up this week that have their backups looking to start in good spots in week four. So go through your waivers, not necessarily your handcuffs, which is possible too, but all these backup guys, especially to anybody that's got a history of being hurt. I mean, we had mentioned getting rid of Eckler. 
I, I don't think grabbing Kelly is the, the worst idea in the world because he's going to get more of the passing work compared to Sony Michelle. There's a lot of guys floating around out there that are total afterthoughts at this point who, you know. Yeah, I mean. Starting role. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, that's kind of been the premise early on of you know, guys that I've been looking for early, you know, and and it was, you know, for the 49ers backfield. And, you know, now it's talking about, you know, potentially that if Herbert or Madison aren't there, it's, you know, is, is the next guy worth rostering? I mean, we'd have to see the significance of the injuries. I wouldn't say so for the Vikings because we've already mentioned it. Cook might be one game, might be two games. He, he's going to come back and play with the shoulder. Don't know the extent of the – David Montgomery injury, but Tristan Ebner could be a guy who's going to get more work. Mm-hmm. He could pick up the slack of the Cleo Herbert work, and that guy's not owned anywhere. You know that the Bears just want to run games, bleed clock, and get the fuck out of the game. I mean, that's just all they want to do. So, to your point, it's you know start looking, and it could be the guy after the guy. You see injuries start to pile up, and you know you already mentioned the Leonard Fournette's of the world and hamstrings of it's it's inevitable. These guys are going to miss games. Well, and, and a lot of so times, once you start hearing about injuries, be be first to act. You know, you can always cut this guy a week later. Got to kind of look at how teams use them too. So even the the backup today isn't necessarily the handcuff. Like the the team I always look at for this is like the Colts. Hines has a role in that offense. If Taylor gets hurt. Hines doesn't slide into the Taylor role. Hines' role as himself may expand, but the third running back becomes the Jonathan Taylor guy and gets all that rushing work. I don't know who is it is it, now. Is this, a De- is this a Deion Jackson episode? Is that who it is? <laughs> Fuck. It is. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah, they but that's, I mean, Lindsay because Deion Jackson outplayed him. So, I mean, Jackson's the guy you want if you have Taylor or want to handcuff Taylor. Now, is he going to put up the Taylor numbers? No, but he's now their starting running back because Hines just isn't going to jump into that role. Hines, like I said, Hines may see his role as a pass catcher expand, and then he, he's obviously going to see more snaps if Taylor was to disappear, but he's not necessarily the handcuff. So it does benefit you to go deeper because he's and, and you know you look at like denver too with, with williams and, and melvin gordon where uh, don't, don't you dare talk about mike boone on this episode i will get <laughs> far too excited <laughs> but like boone. they're not going to give you know they're in roughly a 50 50 timeshare sl- slightly leaning towards javante but javante doesn't get 100% of the work if melvin gordon gets hurt he's going to stay around 60 and mike boone picks up that 40 so Another name to keep an eye on. You were talking about these guys, and this guy just bubbled up. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned him. Justice Hill. Oh, no. I had him whenever we were going to get to Baltimore. Yes. Zero percent rostered right now. I mean, yes, J.K. Dobbins is back, but he'll look good in the touches he got last week. I mean, they're they're still a run-based offense. It's been largely Lamar Jackson, which I don't think they want to be the case. So Justice Hill could be a – a sneaky guy for the next several games, like the Buffalo and Cincinnati games where they're chasing points. I mean, he's not the worst pass catcher they have out there, and I doubt they're going to trust J.K. Dobbins with a heavy workload even in the next two games. His first NFL action in a year and a half. No, and and why even do it? Hill is more than competent as a pass catcher, and, and he's been okay so far this year. Yeah, I, I he was someone I was going to mention when we got to Baltimore, but 
Yeah, sorry, took it away from you. You, you, you wanted to go to the waiver. So, and then, you know, on, <laughs> Jerick McKinnon's another one, only 7% rostered. I've been less than enamored with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, he's, he's just been scoring touchdowns. He doesn't look good, in, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, and he, and Jerick McKinnon would be the pass catcher if ever they decide that. Clyde Edwards Lair did not deserve that role anymore. Or if Clyde Edwards Lair got injured, you know, everyone was high on Pacheco. Pacheco wouldn't be the pass catching guy. McKinning would pick that slack up much like he did last year. I think he's a guy that could be speculated upon. And then at the wide receiver position, unfortunately, Sterling Shepard, I'm here now. It's an ACL. A lot of people yeah. are saying tell of an ACL. He's done again. Um, who knows? Play Giants roulette, but I got to assume Wondell Robinson is going to be coming back sooner rather than later. He was a second round draft pick of this organization, you know, this, you know, uh, head coach and GM, and they're going to want to scheme him. I mean, they did not ever want Richie James to be a thing on this team, but oh, I think they nah, see. I think they do. I, no, I, I said that is- they didn't want to. <laughs> Listen, if Wondell Robinson is playing, Richie James isn't playing. It's they realize what they what they did not have in Kenny Galladay. They clearly hate Kadarius Tony, or he is just the most oft injured player since Percy Harvin. And they want people they can rely on. And Richie James is a good wide receiver four slash five for a team punt return type guy, but he should not be playing heavy starter snaps. And he's going to, you know, because they just lost Shepard. Kadarius Tony's still hurt. They, they're trying their damnedest not to play Kenny Galladay. And who else are they going to put out there? You know, we're going to get some Darius Shepard or Darius Slayton. You know, until Wondell Robinson comes back, more David Sills. I mean, that's it's it's pretty ugly. So I would be willing to put a <laughs> put a, a low, low bid down on Wondell Robinson that he should be back sooner rather than later. The other is Zay Jones, only eleven percent rostered. He is a big part of this Jacksonville offense yeah. and their and their ascension. I mean, I you know, twelve and a half, five point three, and twenty four point five these last three weeks. He's been more than serviceable. Uh, on the season, and he's the wide receiver too in this offense. To DeAndre Swift, he's you know probably the second most targeted pass option. I would he assume is. he has yeah he has twenty four targets on the season. Yeah, I think that's pretty significant um, for him. He's another guy with low ownership that I think easily could be a flex play for you week in and week out. Yeah, so, you're right. Those, yeah. those Speak- are my guys. Oh my gosh, he's Speaking top of- twenty three in targets. Say Jones in the NFL. Yeah. Speaking of wide receivers, I mean, in, in handcuffs here, if, if you're looking to stash people, if you think Hill or Waddle were to miss any time and you just believe in this Miami offensive system, Trent Sherfield is their number three wide receiver who leapfrog Cedric Wilson, who they brought in, who I thought would have a decent year coming over from Dallas. But Sherfield is ahead of uh, Wilson in targets and routes run. So, I mean, he's not nearly as talented as Waddle or Hill, but if one of them were to miss time, Sherfield's probably in the wide receiver two range just because of being part of that offense and the work he could get. So there are sneaky guys out there. If you have bottom of the roster garbage, you could dump. I mean, you're not going, you have nobody on the, that has the upside of one of the Miami wide receivers. If that role opens up. And Trent Sherfield, previously of San Francisco 49ers fan. Correct. Correctly, so he knows the system. Yes, obviously, absolutely. As a fan and head coach Mike McDaniel. So I like that. I thought you were going to go with Wilson. Honestly, I'm like, man, you're, you're really going – you're really doing a service for the people at this point in time. You know, <laughs> reading, reading between the lines for him. I like it. We, we, we talk about uh, Mark Andrews being tight end one nowadays. He, he If he gets banged up, I mean – 
kind of roll the dice. Josh Oliver had a good week this week. They do like him. They've had him in there for a while. Isaiah likely was kind of one of the, the big rookies this year, but that offense isn't going to pivot to a, all right, we're just going to start. Yeah. yeah we're not going to start peppering the wide receivers. If Andrews misses any time, Isaiah likely or Josh Oliver roll the dice on which one you like. I think likely he's got the higher upside, but I, I think Oliver's, We'll see when he plays more games. I think he was out weeks one and two. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out going forward. But one of those tight ends, I mean, you and I talk about playing, you know, waiver wire streamer for tight end. One of those two guys you could pick up now and stash at the bottom and anything happens to Andrews. They're probably putting up high end tight end two numbers with, with, you know, every once in a while splash play, get in the end zone twice, tight end one. And then, yeah, looking to stash a quarterback, get Kenny Pickett, you know, we're going redraft now, obviously dynasty. He's gone everywhere. Trubisky ain't going to start too long. Get Pickett in there. Who knows what he's going to do with the, you know, when, when he gets on the field, but he's got an outstanding one, two, three at wide receiver, got a good tight end, has a strong running game behind him. He's in a good spot to succeed as long as the talent is there. And being the only first-round draft pick this year at quarterback, you, you can argue he's talented enough. So if you're a little thin there and need some help at the bottom of your roster and cross your fingers, pick it. I would pick up pick it before I pick up Hoyer, even knowing Hoyer's starting for three or four weeks. Yeah. I mean, the, everyone knows how I feel about Steelers. and yeah, They are one and two. I mean, T.J. Watt. Being out does hurt their defense, but I still don't think they're a good team with him. They get the Jets this week, and then at Bills versus Buccaneers, at Dolphins, at Eagles. Got to score. Before before their bye week. So this would actually be the perfect week to start Kenny Pickett. <laughs> get him a week against the Jets before this gauntlet, because if not, it doesn't make sense to start him until after the bye week when they go Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons for, for a stretch. So it's – it's not going to be this week. They're not going to pull the trigger at, at one and two. That's not how Tomlin is wired. But you're going to throw him into that gauntlet in the next four after that. I mean, it's going to be ugly. But yeah, the future is Pickett. And once this team's you know one and four, or maybe two and four, because they could beat the Jets, they're going to be faced with a tough decision. And you know, are we playing for this year or next year? And the correct answer is next year. So yeah. Don't disagree with you, but you know, hopefully there's better options on the waiver wire in, in your one quarterback leagues than than Kenny Pickett and Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. You know, even a Marcus Mariota or a Jameis Winston or whomever, they're they're gonna just compile more points, I think, than either one of those two guys in the short term. So did you have anybody else for waivers? Nope. I think uh we are good there. I did I did mention Josh Reynolds to you with Amon Ross St. Brown dealing with his uh ankle injury, but it's already early reports it's not that significant. And do I really want to tell someone to go add Josh Reynolds? No, it's not bye weeks in week four, so <laughs> you're not gonna start him. But it's more just an indication to keep an eye on uh St. Brown and his practice reports this week than anything else as far as a waiver ad. But no, we can we're gonna dive in to more broad-based, I think we agreed upon at this point in time, rather than doing this hour-and-a-half marathon every week of team-by-team team depth analysis, some yeah. more topical analysis as far as snaps are concerned, and then we're just going to look at overall most targeted players or names that stick out for us. So did you want to dive into the targets or the snaps first? Early into the season, we didn't have a ton of 
information to draw from. You know what I mean? Week one, you go, well, what was this? Then week two, you go, well, maybe it was game plan dependent. But now with three weeks, you kind of see a pattern emerging on what the teams want to do and who they want to use. Um, we talked about Miami earlier. You know, it's all Waddle. It's all Hill. The big mystery there, you kind of look at the snaps maybe between the running backs with Edmonds and Mostert. And so far, the usage seems to kind of be 50-50. It's obviously a little higher here and there. So it's kind of a roll-the-dice game plan. It's hard to trust either one of them at this point. But that's kind of going to be the thing we're doing going forward. So we're not going to jump into every team like we were because some teams there's no – no controversy. There's clear ones and twos and who's being used, but we're going to look at some trends here, see who's trending up, trending down and, and all that. So walk wherever you want to get started and I'll jump in as we go. Yeah, I, I like that. And the, just the way I structured, I still did have kind of like a one key stat from from each team here, whether it be snap related or target related for the teams. But rather than getting into like such a depth analysis on some of these guys, it, it doesn't really seem to matter anymore. To your point, things have kind of shaken out. We we know who the starters in three wide sets are. We know who the handcuff is on teams. We you know we know who the clear tight end one is from snap shares. And you know what what does that mean going forward? And you know some places, unfortunately, it. it didn't provide a lot of clarity. So I, I just went by record in my division, which is the NFC, sorry, my conference, which is the NFC. And of course, bubbling up at the top is my Philadelphia Eagles. And ironically enough, Miles Sanders played his highest snaps of the season from a percentage basis, 59%, but he's still TD or bust in this entire backfield because they don't see any targets in this passing game. The entire backfield has 12 targets on the season. So you still can't trust this backfield, you know, it, the, the the primary runner is Jalen Hurts, just like it is Lamar Jackson in the Ravens backfield. And, you know, whoever is the recipient of his deep targets, you know, if it's Devonta Smith this week or if it's A.J. Brown, you know, another week or even if he's finally getting Dallas Goddard involved. But what is what is certainly for sure is that it's an RBBC in Philly and you're playing touchdown roulette with their backfield as to whether they're viable or not. Because Sanders look good, but he's still just not getting enough work uh, to be a productive fantasy asset. Yeah, they're. I don't know. The 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 running game there is frustrating because I thought they'd be good and I thought they'd be up, and then Sanders would get you know run run out the clock kind of volume, and he thus far he is not. It's kind of <laughs> made me upset. Yeah, I mean it, it's and rightfully so. I mean I I thought the same as well because I didn't think Gamewell was ever going to be a volume guy. I do like Boston Scott, but I mean that's just not you know what what they're attempting to do. But I mean Miles Sanders is forty five carries on a year. That's fifteen carries a week. That's not that's not insignificant. But he also only has six targets on a year for thirteen yards. So he's averaging fifteen carries and two targets a game. And if he's not getting the goal line work, you know, then then what's that going to mean for you? It's going to be six or seven fantasy points. Every single week, which is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's no good at all. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're staying staying in the East. I'll just stay in the AFC East. I mentioned there's nothing to mention in Miami. Buffalo, the interesting thing, Gabe Davis, two starts, 98, 96% snap share. You'd think Diggs being the alpha number one there, 64, 66, and 70. So Davis does not leave the field if he's healthy. So that's – he's obviously not – threatening digs for that number one role but just sheer volume and presence on the field it's pretty nuts that even coming back from the injury they put him back out there for 96 percent. so as much as there was some people were all nuts all in on Gabe Davis other people were a little cautious Whew. 
if he starts getting the targets to go along with that, he's uh, in a very good spot. Yeah, he better get there because he was still fourth in the team in targets for playing all those snaps. And I know it's his first yeah. game back, but he was he was non-existent early in the game. So well, I feel like most of the snaps were late. But I mean, for 11 targets to Diggs and Singletary and nine to McKenzie, just pacing the team were a distant six for Gabe Davis. I mean, he only had one more than James Cook, for goodness sake. Like for all those snaps, he's still not seeing the targets. Well, yeah, he had 98% in week one and he saw five targets. Mm-hmm. Better, so he's got 11 targets. Tar- targets through two games where Diggs had 11 in the last game alone. Yeah. Singletary yeah. had 11. Yeah. I mean, Diggs' targets made sense last week without him there. But, yeah, I mean, sure. this week, just a sheer volume that was going to everyone else in a game where, as you noted, Josh Allen threw it 63 times. I mean, that's not even a 10% target share for Gabe Davis. So maybe it was still limited, but not based upon his snap count. Right? I mean, it was just – Josh Allen was throwing it to everyone else in that game. So yeah, in, in the better days, Buffalo be Gabe Davis. Yes, just by sheer volume, by just existing. But they're, and their running yes. backs there, I don't know. You can't really. It's hard to know who to trust. Moss looked good in Week One. Cook has had a few splash plays. Singletary seems to be consistent guy, and he's getting most of the snaps. But the other two are just lingering enough to keep Singletary from being a must start week in and week out. They're they're going to be very pass heavy, obviously, but it's hard to trust any of these guys. You don't you don't want to root for injury, but it sure would be nice if somehow we thin this herd out a bit. Yeah, I mean, and to my from my, in my eyes, none of them have actually looked good running the ball. I mean, in Singletary, twenty three carries, Moss and Cook both had thirteen on the season, so there there's no one separating themselves. And a few from one big run by Moss and by Cook. I mean, they've been just abysmal on a per carry basis, which makes sense why they throw the ball sixty two times in a close game that they only lost by two to the Miami Dolphins. So. It's still throw a throw first offense, so it's the one that's getting the targets. And right now, that's clearly Singletary. Yeah. On to the the Rams, and it was a straight 50-50 split with Akers and Henderson last week. I mean, it was Henderson heavy week one, working towards his 50-50 split week two. Dead 50-50 split week three. It's just going to be maddening. I mean, McVay came out and said he has two starting running backs or whatever he said, you know, early on in the season. And it was just clear that there was some issue with Akers in week one, but it's been pretty obvious since then that there's there's just going to be rotating drives and trying to have an equitable distribution of snaps for these two guys going forward. So it's does Akers get into the end zone like he did in week three or not? But, you know, both of these guys' value takes a tremendous hit because with the Rams, you wanted that, you know, 70-30 split with the primary back, whoever that might be. We just wanted clarity on that. And unfortunately it's fallen into a true 50, 50 split. Yeah. I've got them. I don't have any team with both of them. I have teams here and there with one or the other and redraft just reading the tea leaves as the preseason started to wrap. I started grabbing Henderson a lot more and week one, I felt like I was really smart and now <laughs> this week I started him and he just stunk. So I, Yeah, it's ugly. I I don't. Can you uh, obviously bye weeks are coming? You're not going to have a choice. Are you playing either one of them with any confidence if you have anyone even fringy ahead of them? Probably not. And they're going against the 49ers as well. Um, You know, the possibility of taking a goose egg with either one of them is is finally high. I'm not interested at this point. 
And what's killing both of them is that on the season, they've combined for nine targets as well. So they're not even a product of the passing game. It's everything is going to Cooper Cup, Tyler Hig- Higby. Sorry, Higby, and then a little bit of Allen Robinson at this point in time. They're not throwing it to the running back at all. And 30 rush attempts for Akers, 27 for Daryl Henderson. So they're, they're two down backs. And you're you're hoping to get the touchdown right now because they're not getting any of the pass down work, and they've been behind in games, and it's still not happening. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say brighter days are ahead. I think best case they're flex players. They're they're outside of the top 24 running back. Yeah, kind of kind of going the opposite. Talking about two guys you don't trust and can't play. Somebody who's been trending up, and I think under the radar, even in fantasy circles, which is surprising because he was universally the 101 in drafts this year. Uh, Brees Hall. So his snap shares slowly creeping up. Michael Carter's is gently creeping down. If you look at week one, they both had nine targets. We were like, oh, this offense is going to throw a lot to the running backs. Week two, they both kind of come back to earth. Hall has one target. Carter has five. But now week three, Hall gets 11 targets. Carter only got two. I I, I really think about – now this is, may all change once Wilson comes back, but I kind of like what I've seen so far. We're going to have to reset, of course, when, when they have a different quarterback in there. But if if Hall's usage keeps going up and he's getting these targets, we had mentioned you know Austin Eckler getting all his points from just a heavy volume in the passing game. If Brees Hall can be Austin Eckler light, even if he's not getting the rushing work and they give a lot of that to – to Carter, but he's still heavily involved in the passing game. He's going to be pretty sneakily good as the year goes on. Yeah. I mean, Brees Hall tied for the top target leader, you know, in the running back position with Austin Eckler. Yeah. I mean, that's just, just insane usage. I mean, he hasn't looked bad running the ball, but you're right. He only has 21 carries uh, on the season. So he's, he's just behind, Eckler in on a points per game basis because he hasn't secured as many uh, as Eckler has. He only has 13 catches, but yeah, the, you got to love the volume that he's getting early on in the utilization. I mean, Michael Carter has 16 targets on the year and has caught 13 for 74. So that's it. Seems like a, a Joe Flacco thing. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens when Zach Wilson finally gets back on their center if that persists. But I, I like how they're leveraging those guys because it's not like they don't have receivers, but they're still, you know giving them more target volume than they are rushing volume, um, you know, between the two of these guys. I mean, 21 and 28 carries respectively for them through three weeks. So, Which is okay. I mean, if you're using I, – I haven't watched any of the Jets, so I don't know exactly how they're using them. But if they're if they're kind of using a screen game as like a pitch, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's kind of yeah, similar, it's, similar, it's, similar to it, rushing work, but – Exactly. Get them on the edges. Points. Yeah. Get them on the edges. That's – how you should be using playmakers in this day and age. So I'm just going to do a twofer just to speed things up a little bit. And I'm going to go with the Vikings. Dalvin Cook, shoulder, already talked to him. Madison came in and shoulder the load. But the irony of the game was it was a back and forth against the Lions. One target between Cook and Madison on the week. They have not been heavily targeted in this passing attack um, you know, by, by uh, Kirk Cousins thus far. So I thought there would be a lot more opportunity by the running backs to catch passes. Um, but look, that, go, going so back like, to where you started with the Rams, we have a Rams offense coming over here. The the passing isn't going to Henderson or Akers there, and we're seeing a similar thing in Minnesota. So opposite of what we thought coming in, I, I think seeing what you see in L.A. might be paralleled in, in Minnesota. So if you're worried about the pass-catching work there, you should be here too. Yeah, yeah. I mean – 
Maybe I, uh, sorry, there's, I guess I was a little light on the receiving. It's, it's 17 targets between the two of them on the season, not 12. So it, it was a little light there, but only one uh, in this last game. So still suboptimal uh, for those guys. Just really not utilizing the running back position. And when I was going to double up, you know, we're just talking about running backs. So let's, let's target the Packers while we're at it. Snaps on the season, Aaron Jones, 116, AJ Dillon, 103. We've seen it on the field. It's all a matter of who's getting into the end zone. Jones had a huge week two. Neither of them did shit in week three, which should have been expected against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, both of these guys are startable options. I, I view them above like the Akers Henderson contingent as far as running backs and are they start worthy? I think they both present as, you know, running back twos or running back upside, you know, depending on who gets the targets then given week and the touchdowns. But, you know, clearly they have a plan is for both of these guys to see the field um, a lot, um, even, even in tandem together. And then the other aspect was just Romeo Dubs getting 89% of snaps and finishing as wide receiver nine on the week uh, was you know, kind of a revelation, you know, after finally getting, Sammy Watkins out of there due to injury and Christian Watson was in, inactive for the game. They've seemed like they've kind of moved forward with Romeo dubs at this point in time. He was heavily involved and productive catching all eight of his passes. He looked pretty good and seems like Rogers trusted him. Yeah. And week to week, I think that's going to be a disaster. You know what I mean? At some point, Sammy Watkins comes back. We're going to have a uh, got to miss four top. weeks. So, but I mean, we've got that back. <laughs> eventually, but we're going to have a Randall Cobb week. We're uh, Amari Rogers might have a good game, but we kind of knew that coming in. It would be nice if dubs could truly emerge. We got to obviously have more than one game of it to be like, okay, I could do this with confidence week in and week out. I do like him, but yeah, it's, it's, it's less than ideal, but it's not surprising. We knew that going into draft season. Dubs greater than Watson. <laughs> so to, to pivot, I'll, I'll can run through the whole AFC North with really nothing. There's nothing we don't know about Pittsburgh. It's all Najee Harris. Fairmouth's the only tight end of note. The wide receiver, Claypool's out snapping Deontay Johnson, but Johnson's getting the lion's share of targets. Pickens bitched a little bit and saw his targets go up from three to two to seven. So Maybe Squeaky Wheel gets the grease in there, and he might see his targets increase. That's the first time he got more targets than Claypool on the year. But what not a catch too. Still. I didn't see it. Now I got oh, go look. <sighs> Odell esque. Oh boy, I need I need looser pants already, and I just yeah. thinking oh. about it. Yeah, it was a Thursday night game. I should know why you didn't see it. Oh, oh yeah, no way. I missed it completely. Yeah. Baltimore, we already talked about. I mean, there, there's n- that. That might be the most predictable team in the NFL, which is good for fantasy. Cleveland, it, uh, Peoples-Jones is actually out snapping Amari Cooper, but th- that's where all the targets are going. Very second tier by a, by a huge gap, David Bell. And then tight end and Joku snap-wise is leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. Glad I cut him in a few spots after two shitty weeks so he could explode on Thursday and cost me several wins had I – even had him on teams and best ball leagues, um, but nothing new there. Obviously, everything's going through Chubb, who's having a great start to the year, and uh, and Hunt has his splash play still serviceable in PPR. Cincinnati, absolutely nothing of note when when they're all healthy. It goes uh, Chase Higgins, Boyd. Boyd's had a pretty good start to the year. A lot of that was with 
Higgins banged up. I think Boyd might be the sneakier play going forward as teams focus on Higgins and, and, and Chase. Boyd probably has the best matchup on the team week in and week out. But other than that, nothing surprising. We saw P. Ryan's snap share tick up this week and Mixon's go down. But I think that's just a, you know, a fluke outlier. It was a product of the, the get-right game that the Cincinnati Bengals so desperately needed uh, this past week because yeah. oh, yeah, all that work was uh, late in the game and now the Bengals short week into the Dolphins. So they were probably just – yeah, letting mix and rest because they're gonna they're gonna need them uh, on Thursday night. So I'm right there with you. And you tackled a couple, I tackled a couple, and I I still went top to bottom as far as where these teams are from a record perspective rather than division. But I can still tackle two NFC East teams because they're back to back. And this was the Monday Night Football game, and it was the Dallas Cowboys. Ceedee Lamb saw a 39 percent target share in Week Three, and still tried to have a bad game. He dropped the touchdown early and had to catch a <laughs> one handed one yard touchdown late to find his way uh, is to be a top 10 receiver on the week. And then from a running back carries perspective, Zeke had 15, Pollard had 13. I have to say both kind of look good. Jason Peters seemed to bring a little life to this Cowboys rush attack. Giants still are a bad defense all in all, but you know, I, I think it was pretty telling that both guys were actually able to be productive. Zeke scored on the week. Tony Pollard had the big run in the 100 yards rushing. So both can be useful in the right matchup. And from the Giants, it's Saquon Barkley or bust. He had a monster game, 14 for 81 and one rushing, another four for 45 receiving. We talked about Sterling Shepard, unfortunately. But, you know, Kenny Galladay watched three targets, zero receptions. He went down <laughs> looking on the week. And, you know, Kenny even with Sterling Shepard, it's not going to get any better for this guy. I mean, he's... He can be as malcontent as he wants. I mean, he's not deserving of, of anything better. It doesn't seem like from all the footage we saw and all the camp videos and then what we've put on tape thus far on the season. I mean, I, I just think, unfortunately, Kenny Galladay's done. He's a big-bodied receiver who's dealing with back injuries. Like it just they, they fall fast. And uh, at least he secured the bag before he did, and it, it hurt the Giants because I'm an Eagles fan, and that, that makes my heart happy when bad contracts go to division rivals. So. <laughs> That's the Giants in a nutshell. Hopefully, like I said, a little Wandell Robinson, maybe Kadarius Tony gets out of the doghouse. They have playmakers. They're just not on the field right now. They're they're gross. The, I, oh, they were the worst two and O team in football. I think they might be the ever. Problem. The Bears are two and one, so they're the worst two and one team. But the Giants, I think, are close <laughs> for second. But a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, Chargers. We mentioned Eckler and and. Hit, his usage, which is concerning. Wide receivers there, they lost Jalen Guyton. Not a big deal for fantasy, except he was kind of the speedster that took the top off of defenses. When Keenan Allen's back, does that role maybe go to Mike Williams? Uh, or Josh Palmer. Isn't Williams faster than Palmer? Probably, but I he's think, also kind of – his role seems to have evolved um, in this offense. He doesn't seem like he's as much the downfield threat anymore. But, I mean, he, 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 he certainly could be. I mean, Palmer paced the team with his nine targets, had six for 99 on the week. So, my, my Josh Palmer shares hope. No, no offense to Jalen Guyton, who, you know, has a role, but all he is is muddying up the, the target share in that offense. Yeah, and, and and staying with the the AFC West there, Kansas City, Velda Scantling, then Juju, then Hardman, and, and not even close with Hardman actually. One, two, three in the pecking order at wide 
receiver. They're all behind Kelsey. MVS has more targets than Juju, if I'm if my math serves me correct. They're pretty damn close. I think it's 19 to 18. Juju might have a, a one target lead. But MVS has been quiet. And where I thought coming into the year, just having that speed element that they lost with Juju, I thought, okay, MVS is going to be in for some big, big splash plays here and there. Kind of a disappointment. I don't know if maybe just looking at the the, the snap share and the target, it's made a flyer as a buy low real quick here, but pretty big disappointment there, despite the team being two and one. Other than Kelsey and CEH being shockingly touchdown efficient <laughs> while doing nothing, I think he had seven carries for zero yards and a rushing touchdown this past week. This offense, they're winning, and we didn't know what it was going to look like without Hill, and they are spreading the ball around, but nobody's really emerging for fantasy like I think we all had hoped. Yeah, I mean, Juju has one more target than Valdez Scanlon season, and he had a shitty week too. But he's he's actually been serviceable um, the other two weeks uh, of the season, just because he's getting the volume. I mean, five for eighty nine, you'll take it. But you're right; it's a little sketchy. And Valdez Scanlon's only been able to catch secure ten of his eighteen scoreless yards on this, you know, one hundred five scoreless yards on the season. So I, I think better days are ahead for Valdez Scanlon and for you know that offense as a whole. I mean, when's Sky Moore going to see the field? Yeah, you know, I, I still think they're kind of trying to figure out what they are. At this point in time, and they had a reality check from the Colts in week two. So they get the who do they get? They get the Bucks on primetime in week three. You're gonna have to throw the ball on the Bucks. So uh, we shall see what uh what comes of that. So you were talking about the Giants or the Bears being the worst team after I talked about the Giants. Well, somehow they're two and one, so they rate highly in my order here. And you know, all I know is that. Khalil Herbert saw 60% of the snaps on the game, was the primary running back after Dave Montgomery went down and posted the RB1 overall uh, week in week three. Keep an eye on practice reports for Montgomery. Khalil Herbert is a plug-and-play top 18 running back. I'm not going to continue to predict that he's going to be as successful. They did go against the Texans on the ground, but he's going to get the volume, and this kid is good. He's someone that you need to keep an eye on. He is a weak winner. While David Montgomery is out, I have been on record as saying he is a better running back, especially for this scheme, than David Montgomery is. And this may actually present as a changing of the guard opportunity because if memory serves, this is year four for Montgomery, which would be the end of his deal with the Bears. So they may want to look ahead and see what they could have in a Khalil Herbert. Look, you and you mentioned his name earlier. I, if you don't want to spend all your fab on Khalil Herbert, which is going to be a shootout in, in leagues this week for him, Dude, Ebner, give me Ebner for $1. No one's putting in Ebner bids this week. Get him for a buck because he might end up pretending, of course, the Bears had a reasonable offense that threw the ball. He could be the receiving receiving down back, and he's pretty good. If anything were to happen to Herbert, you mentioned talking about deep waivers at the start of the show, the guy behind the guy. A lot of a lot of smart people really think Ebner is very good. So if, if anything were to happen to Herbert and Ebner were to step in there, enough people that I trust their opinions on think he's a, a very viable NFL running back at some point. He he could make a he could be a league winner, and he's not even on anybody's radar. You get him for zero dollars this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a trust an Ebner guy. I mean, I'm trying to look through for any Dave Montgomery updates. There's really nothing. Uh, out there, um, 
at, at present. So yeah, monitor the the injury reports. But yeah, you can get you a free uh, trust in Ebner as well because you know the Bears are going to want to run the ball, so he's going to get opportunity. And then the other one I wanted to just shout out was somehow the Carolina Panthers finally got their head out of their ass and activated Lavisca Chenault. Saw a mere eleven snaps, but was yeah. wide receiver twenty on the season. The kid's fucking explosive. I, I just don't. Everyone just just use him. I mean, for goodness sake, like I get it. There was a trade was late, needed a few weeks here, but he needs the ball. They need to start trying to scheme touches for his kid. Matt Rule needs to just realize what he's got at his disposal and he needs to go all in. I mean, in, in a week where DJ Moore laid a complete goose egg, you know, it was LaVisca Chenault that, that provided the explosive element for them. Only two catches on the, the week, but sure made them count. 11 snaps, two catches. I mean, just expand this guy, you know, to a 30 snap type player and scheme him six to eight touches in, in any given week. And I promise you, Panther fans, you will like what you get from LaVisca Chenault, but I these, just was so happy to see him explode for that long touchdown. These touch stupid coaches just suck. I mean, look at look at what Atlanta did the first two weeks. They 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 weren't heavily targeting Kyle Pitts, and the coach comes out and is like, oh, you know, we're trying to win games, not play fantasy football. Get the fucking good players That's the football. Games. Yeah. Huh? Hey, yeah. Win games by getting your big good players the ball. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's, it's it, there's, there's overlap crazy. here. And there's we said that here. with, and we said that with Lavisca all the time. He was in Jacksonville. Like, I mean, I get there were other disasters going on there, but it's like, get try try for a game to scheme the guy and see what happens with the ball in his hand. Maybe he sucks. Maybe he can't do it at the NFL level. But I know you'll never know if you don't fucking try it. it yeah, it's maddening. Yes, extremely maddening, you know, but still, it was it was at least good to see LaVisca shake, make the, LaVisca make the most of his opportunity um, yeah, that he had. Also then go to the 49ers, who just were dreadful um, on Sunday as well. But Kittle came back. The season debut played 91% of snaps and saw five targets. So Kittle's right back in there as the every down guy, and five targets is pretty decent for Kittle. He's, he's either like a huge explosion volume guy or he's going to see five or six. It's just a matter of what he does with them. That offense looked terrible um, on Sunday, and hopefully they get their shit together with, with Garoppolo and Kittle, you know, trying to rehash what it looked like in 2022, 2021. Yeah, kind of going back to uh, – I'm going to Tennessee here real quick, but back to my, when I was talking about the Jets and, and Brees Hall kind of trending up, Traylon Burks was the number two pick in tons of fantasy drafts this year. Um, his work going up. So Burks went from 37 to 45 to a 69% share this week. As far as targets went, Burks went from only two though. So 69% snap share, two targets on that, which sucks with, with, Robert Woods getting nine to his two, but his usage has been ticking up. I don't have it in front of me, but I know his routes run is increasing. I think it's just a matter of time. And if Tannehill, who's a bit too cautious for me, just, we just mentioned, get your playmakers balls. You took this kid early. You traded away AJ Brown to make room for him. Just throw him the ball a couple times and see what happens. I mean, your team kind of stinks already ready you know what i mean and then another one trending the opposite way someone we talked about a lot this offseason was austin hooper is one of our late end tight end targets jeff swaim is eclipsing him he's out snapping him he's out targeting him 
Jeff Swain might be the guy if you're looking for a late round tight end kind of fill in player going forward. Is he going to win you a league? No, but he, he could win you a week here and there. If you're in best ball, you could be worse than that. But Hooper's donezo. Yeah, I mean, it's ugly. I mean, Robert Woods paced the team this week. I mean, shit. Uh, Derek Henry saw, like, I think the second most catches on the week. It's just who even knows anymore with the Titans. I mean, Traylon Burks looked like he was about to pop, and then he kind of, you know, just saw minimal opportunity in a must-win week three for them. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, what we do know is it's definitely not Austin Hooper, which we were both pretty high on as a super late guy that you could get in that kind of tight end streamer world because who else were they going to throw to? <laughs> and the answer is not Austin Hooper. Well, so. we weren't wrong. We just picked the guy we thought was better. I mean, and the answer was Jeff Swaim, who, if you had yeah. grabbed him instead, <laughs> has mm. been okay. You're going to missing week two. Yeah. Definition of irony. All right, on to those Detroit Lions. Uh, DeAndre Swift's clearly injured and being limited. He only played 41% of snaps, which was his lowest snap percentage of the season. Jamal Williams is a vulture and went up to 45% of snaps and put a PPR RB3 finish on the campaign for week three because he gets all the short yardage, which resulted in two touchdowns for him. But a limited Swift is a value for Jamal Williams. Mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown earlier, and he saw his lowest snap share of the season at 73%, and it was likely due to the ankle injury he sustained, which it looks like, at least what I'm seeing on Twitter early on, is it doesn't appear to be significant. But still, worst production of the season, lowest snap share of the season, ankle injury, not typically good things uh, for a wide receiver that was blossoming into a top 10 dynasty guy. Yeah, not not good. Um, another another not good situation, Indy. People thought they, you know, they're coming off this big win. Michael Pittman is on the field constantly, missed week two, but 98, and then comes back from the injury, 94% snap share. After that, I mean, Paris Campbell's on the field, but he's doing nothing with it. With it. Pierce missed that week two, came back, 45% snap share, nothing with it. Osh, ask, uh, I'm not going to, can't get it out. Doolin. <laughs> no. Doolin. Ashton, there we go. Ashton Doolin, uh, thirty-five, then sixty-four with with Pittman and and Pierce out in week two, then back down to twenty-five percent. Just none of them moved the needle besides Pittman for a team that we thought would be clicking on offense and maybe get a, a wide receiver two emerging. Thus far, not happening. And kind of interesting at, at tight end, we'd like Kylan Granson a year ago. We both liked uh, Mo Ali Cox this year. Jelani Woods, we liked as a rookie. Then Landon here, we thought, uh, not the greatest. But Woods is the one trending up. He caught the touchdown in the last game. Nine, 9% nine snap share, 16. Now he's up to 23. Mo Ali Cox, shockingly consistent, 54, 54, 54, I believe, three weeks in a row. Might be 59. Can't read my own handwriting. And Granson is in the mix, too, 55, 55, and 42. So, if you're looking for a consistent tight end with volume, look elsewhere at Indy. But if you're looking to throw a dart, Woods is the one trending up out of that group. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they put the draft capital on the dude as a freak. You know, I, I wanted to be Molly Cox, who is also a, a freak, but it seems like they're working their way more towards the Jelani Woods world, even though they paid uh, my boy Molly Cox. But still not too pretty uh, with those Colts. Speaking of not pretty, it's the Saints. Alvin Kamara, 70% snaps after missing week two, so kind of stepped right back into his primary running back role. Wasn't highly productive, lost a fumble, 
hurt your fantasy week. Uh, Jarvis Landry has been reduced to a 30% snap player. Um, yeah, I believe he's in the 90% in week one. Don't have it in front of me, but 30% in week three. Traycon Smith played 61% of the snaps. They may be trying to get some speed back on the field because, you know, Jarvis Landry certainly doesn't present his speed. Michael Thomas doesn't present his speed. I mean, I, I'm sure Olave does, but, you know, maybe stretching the field a little bit more with um, Jameis Winston. So Traycon Smith is eating into Jarvis Landry snaps. He was a one-year deal with them, and he was probably a guy you should have sold after week one. But, you know, we were certainly seeing in a, a Lave, Michael Thomas one-two punch with, you know, it's probably going to be situational between whether Jarvis Landry sees snaps or a Trey Quan Smith. And isn't Landry a little banged up, too? Probably. Yeah, I thought something had popped up. I don't think it was significant, but, you know, keep an eye on practice reports for him, too. Yep. Yeah, pretty gross. The only uh, wrapping up for what I had uh, in Houston after that weird week one where, where Burkhead kind of outdid everything for opposed to Damian Pierce after the team talked Pierce up all offseason. Seems to be pretty established, a 60-40 split, which still isn't ideal. We'd like 70-30 or, or, or better. But Pierce is the clear uh, RB1 there. He's not getting any of the passing work, where, whereas Burkhead is – Burkhead's got uh, 16 targets, I believe, on the year. To Pierce is four. So PPR, Burkhead's – how gross is that? Burkhead's probably more valuable than Pierce at this point. But Pierce could have had a better game. The, the Bears – it's an offense sucks, and the Bears suck. So it was <laughs> a less than ideal situation. I'd like to see if this offense ever kind of gets clicking a little bit and, and can – have a lead and kind of lean on him and see what he could do. But right now, less than ideal. And then staying in that division with uh, running backs, you mentioned Robinson being in that top 10. Our man, James Robinson, looks good. Clearly taking the work from ATN, even though ATN's got more targets, not by a huge gap, but as much as everyone was in an ATN having the big year, it turns out to be Robinson and it doesn't look like they have any plans on pivoting or, or, or changing their roles. So I do like what Robinson's doing there. And I think he has staying power. Yeah. I mean, they, they like him. Um, you know, it's hard to argue with the production he's had thus far. They're still finding ways to get ATN involved, but you know, uh, James Robinson's been, been impressive. So far, I'm just going to rattle off the, the dredges of, of the NFC as I went record-wise. And, you know, we'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons next. Kyle Pitts played 67% of snaps in week three, 38 snaps good right. on the week. I mean, it's not been pretty for Kyle Pitts owners early on as his snaps and targets have been limited thus far. And doesn't seem like Arthur Smith cares about fantasy football players either. Ridiculous. He's the he's the founder of the I Just Want to Win Games fan club, and clearly that's using Drake London in the capacity to use Kyle Pitts last year. Um, so it's just, it's limiting his upside um, short term, not too pretty for people that invested probably a top four round pick in Kyle Pitts, hoping to get a differentiator at the position for those Washington commanders, JD McKissick at out snapped Antonio Gibson, 41 to 34. They were behind mm. early and often in the game, but McKissick's the one that got all the work. Um, and the opportunities, Gibson got a junk touchdown late in the game to salvage his day. But all he does, yeah, when they were behind, it was McKissick, even though Gibson is, in my opinion, still every bit the pass catcher. I don't know why they don't use him on the field together more often, but it's 
situation dependent and Brian Robinson is going to be back before too long. So this is going to get uglier before it gets better down to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Rashad Penny saw 69% of the snaps and was effective at 14 for 66 rushing, but they're trying to work in Kenneth Walker and they're still using Travis Homer and DJ Dallas far too much. Will Disley has outsnapped Noah Fan on the season 103 to 96. And I just don't get it. Um, why trade for fan and why not try and leverage that athleticism when you clearly just prefer Will Disley being out there, probably a superior run blocker, and that's what Pete Carroll wants to do, but still lost on me. Last but not least, those Arizona Cardinals at the bottom. Zach Ertz played 93% of snaps in week three. He's working his way back from an injury, but you'd love to see that heavy snap percentage from him. He's going to continue to receive target volume in this offense with little else to pass to other than Hollywood Brown, and the Cardinals stink. Hey, so. hey, Falcons, mm-hmm. take a take a note from the other red birds in the mm-hmm. NFL. Fuck. Yeah. Play your tight end. Heavy snaps to your top tight ends uh, and, and so give them some stupid. Target. Yeah, I I I don't understand it either. You know, but uh tis what it is. So yeah, those those are the the drums of the division. So I just want to talk snap counts for a second and wanted to ask you if you could there, there's some obvious guys, but if I told you that Michael Carter was eighth in snaps played so far at the running back position, would you say I'm telling the truth or lying? Eighth in snaps. Just because I know they had that one game where they had like 73 offensive plays, I would say you're telling me the truth. It is. He's at 131 on the season. The irony is Saquon Barkley's pacing the running back position with 177 snaps played. Saquon hasn't played less than 50 snaps in any game. 50, 61, 66 on the season. Joe Mixon right behind him at 171. Joe Mixon played 73 snaps week one. This is going into unintentionally. This is directly what we've just been talking about. Get your fucking good players on the field and let them play football. It's hard to argue that that Barkley's not the best player on the Giants. So what are they doing? They're using the shit out of them. And it's the opposite opposite of these these terrible teams. I mean, we're talking about the Falcons. They suck. Their good players aren't even getting the snaps, let alone the targets and the volume of of, of touches. You look at the the stupid Bears, which there's a case to be made. Khalil Herbert's one of the better players on the team. We, We just haven't seen it enough. But you, going in, we knew Mooney and Komet were their two best offensive weapons, at least in the passing game. Meh, why, why, why target them? It's like shitty teams don't use their good players properly. You, you mentioned, you know, LaVisca. Jacksonville sucked all the years he was there. The guy's a playmaker. He goes to Carolina, who also sucks, but they got him involved, and he does things with the ball. It, it's not – this was a, an unintentional transition. It, it's very obvious if you <laughs> have eyeballs that work. Yeah, I mean, and there's some outliers as far as snaps are concerned at the wide receiver position too. I mean, Arizona Cardinals have two wide receivers in the top 12 with snaps, and you knew Mark Brown. Greg Dorch is the other one, 188 snaps on season. He's been productive so far. The Vikings, who we knew, Jefferson and, and Thielen are both in the top 12 as well. But Elijah Moore – 
at 209, third most snaps played uh, at the position. Jahan Dodson at 208. He's been out there for heavy snaps, didn't do anything in week three, but was productive in weeks one and two. And then you got the Devonta Smiths, the Terry McLaurins, the Christian Kirks, the guys that you know aren't going to leave the field. Cortland Sutton, Devontae Adams, you know, kind of proven veterans before you get to like some of these the lower tiered guys. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to see who are playing the heavy snaps at their position. I'd go into tight end, but we know that's a that's a mixed bag based upon blocking and percentages yeah. and things of that nature. We were talking about how Pitts is is not really playing the snaps. I mean, he's still a, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in in snaps, uh, which seems a bit odd to me. Um, he's actually played more snaps than Travis Kelsey has uh, at this point in time from a pure snaps perspective, but that's because he played 63 snaps in week one, but it's going 63, 57, 38. Um, so he's going in the wrong direction from a snaps perspective. While the, you would not guess who the leader in snaps at the tight end position is at this point in time, and he's a favorite of yours. Put me on the spot. I don't know. He's a favorite. You were Dawson Knox. Talked about, him, talked about him a lot last year. Dawson Knox is up there. Dawson Knox is sixth at uh, one sixty three. I don't know. He just signed to a new team this year after breaking out last year. Oh, fuck. Everett? I'm trying to think who's on a new team. You put me on the spot here. I don't know. He has long, flowing hair. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to help you here. He's I'm undersized. drawing a blanket. I'm also looking something else up for you. So. I mean, the irony, it's a long, flowing hair. I thought you were going to say, um, what's his name? The dude from uh, Hayden Hurst. But no, Tyler Conklin, 209 snaps. Uh, you loved him. I mean, you should have got that. But Zach Ertz has found his way to number two with that 70. You know, he's played 73 and 77 snaps the last two weeks. So, here, I just wanted to just see, saying. even on his limited snaps, this is what I was looking up on. My, my Conklin brain wasn't working. So, Kyle Pitts, 23% target share, 50% catch rate, 74 routes run, which is a 78% route participation rate. And routes per game, 24. I mean, I guess their offense just sucks. So even if he – the more I'm looking at this, maybe even if they – there's not a ton of room for expansion here unless that whole offense starts running more plays. I mean, we mentioned the Jets a couple times here, having more and Carter among the snap leaders, but they also had a game – where they ran like 73 fucking plays. So snaps along, you know, if your offense is out there and you're running plays and kind of doing a <laughs> a name you don't want to hear, but kind of a, a Chip Kelly mindset where you're just running a ton of plays, you're going to see more snaps. So maybe these teams, maybe, maybe we got to look in the future to see kind of teams that have the most first downs probably have the most teams with the most snaps because they're just running the more most sure. offensive Five plays. Products. Yeah, so which sure. chicken but in the egg, we'll have to figure it out. Kyle Pitts is tied for ninth in targets at the tight end position through three weeks. I mean, I don't care how many routes a team is running, you know, when he's arguably your 1A or 1B receiver. I mean, put, paint him in London however you want. You have to see more than six targets per game. Which I don't care. If you're running 24 routes, that sounds like 24 chances to get a target, and he's got, he got six of them. Uh, but by the way, talking about what Atlanta's throwing the ball to, Brian Edwards, healthy, healthy scratch this week. So that's that, I'm done there. 
break yeah, my heart. You got it. Got to be. I mean, it's just sometimes it doesn't translate. You know, it's it's unfortunate. You had a couple, you know, glimmers of hope with the Raiders, and then they cut bait pretty easily. And then you thought you couldn't have landed in a better spot, right? With the Falcons, where there was little other than a rookie in Drake London to really fight at the wide receiver position, and he can't unseed Olamide Zacchaeus. For, for opportunity week in and week out. So, yeah. Yeah, so much for the record breakout age, but unfortunate. <laughs> so, yeah, next going into next week, we got a, a, another thing. I found a little fun stat of uh, players after week four, kind of who's got some staying power at the their respective top 12 at the position. And so we'll take a look at that a little next week, probably whittle down a lot of this data as more people are eliminated as, as they get fewer and fewer uh, touches going forward. But we'll see what the injury gods bring us in, 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 in the coming week and see how that affects everything. But that should do it. Walk. You want to add anything or take us out of here? Nope. Just John, you got to watch Thursday night football this week, man. It's the dolphins Bengals. This is the game. If you were going to break your, break your rule. For well, I, I'm at work. I work during, there's an so but the I, one I, of the guys I work with is usually streaming it. So I guess I'll pull up a seat. There you go. You need you need to get in for the whiteout. <laughs> All right. That okay. that will do it for us. So as always, be sure to check out Expand the Box Score for myself, John Jabari, and my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. Enjoy week four, and we are out of here. Right. I got a, I got a good, I got a very interesting sell high person to get your opinion on at some point too. No, I can't wait to hear all about this. How is Alexander Madison only fifty five percent rostered in Yahoo leagues? Fucking people are stupid. So that's what I'm telling you. So listen, they're they're out there. You let's guess how low Khalil Herbert is. If fifty percent for Khalil Herbert, we're. We're guessing what he is. Oh no, I'm I'm looking on Yahoo, and you know the irony. I own Khalil Herbert and Alexander Madison in the sole Yahoo league that I'm in, and I only have Madison because I drafted Dalvin Cook, which I'm usually anti Yankoff unless I draft Dalvin Cook. And then I try to to try to get Madison every league every year. Yeah, because Khalil Herbert is amazing. (laughs) But yeah, there's there. They can be had. They're not available in my league, but no. Oh yeah, and then listen, any dynasty league clearly these days are all scooped up. How 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 do you how do we fix that? Dynasty league waivers is a fucking shit show. Do we just need to make benches Shower shorter? Benches. Uh, I I I am anti two year taxis. Most of the leagues I'm in are only one, but I'm anti two year. You shouldn't get two years to stash guys. Um, and there should be a limit on your. The amount of guys you can have on a taxi squad, too. It shouldn't just be however many rookies like evaluate, move on. The league I run, it's five. That's it. I don't care how many draft picks you have. You you have to get it down to five by the start of the regular season. So it de-incentivizes trading of draft picks. That's the unfortunateness of it. But it doesn't allow like some team to have 10 players in our taxi squad. So then it, it pushes those guys to the waiver wire. 
are the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Look at you coming around on your old Eagles there. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I just saw it too. <laughs> you know where I am from. Filler, filler. Hey, power rankings don't lie. That's funny. After the, the Buffalo Bills succumb to my also darling Miami Dolphins. I'm not not convinced until I see a Jalen Hurts jersey on your back. That's Uh, when I'll know you're you're all in. Okay, I'm an adult. I don't own jerseys. That 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 stopped years ago. Probably I'm very anti-adult in in other men's jerseys. Neck tattoo. Possible. I mean, I got the neck (laughs) for it. Look at this thing. This thing was just built. What is he number three? It was a canvas. Is Hurts number three? You know, the irony is I have no clue. Me neither. I thought he was number one. Did not number Could be one. number one. That sounds right. I'm pretty sure he's number one. That's what I'm going with. Yes. Fuck it. Get a, I'm like, three didn't sound right. I was like 11 or one. That was what I had in my head. Get a portrait. One. Get a, a life realistic portrait on his, on your neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love hurts. Right? Just right across my neck. <laughs> that's, that's the only way I'll, I'll believe that you believe. Yeah. I mean... Listen, my buddy of mine reached out because he knows I'm, I'm I'm a skeptic. And he was like, you believe now? I was like, 